0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to A.B. Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Red leather, yellow leather. How now, Brown how oh, now, Brown County. Unique New York. Unique New York. <laughs> <laughs> is that from. That feels like something from Anchorman. It certainly is. Thanks for catching on. All right. Welcome to another episode of the AB Conversations. CFP your way out of it. Yeah, laid on me. What are we talking about today? All right. So today's topic comes from a. Listener, in quotes. Now, it came came from a client. There was an article that was making the rounds online this week or last week, and it raised a great question and one that I think uh, applies to our audience. And that article was speaking about the four percent withdrawal rule and how it, in today's world, it may not be applicable anymore. Yeah. So let's just throw this one in the camp of uh, in the in the craziness of 2020. Um, we get to question a lot of things in a world of change. Right. So let's put this one there. Um, I would start, I guess, by we should, we should probably start by explaining the 4% rule right to us as financial planners. This is pretty much like the basis of certain retirement planning. Um, and while we don't like certain rules of thumb, the idea here is this comes up when we have to answer the question, like how much money do I need to have saved in order to retire? Right. The idea just being, if I'm now not earning paychecks, and I have to replace that income. I know that fixed income may be a part of that, right? Social Security may be a pension, um, but I'm probably going to have to rely on some of my savings. So, how much savings do I need to make sure I'm not going to run out of money over a long period of time? So, you know, that's, that's where mathematics and the history of the markets has kind of said, well, you know, a safe withdrawal rate is probably around 4%. Yeah, so I think that, that 4% number was kind of thrown out there as a, I think it's multi-pronged, right? It's, it's based off of life expectancy, right? If right. someone's going right. to live in retirement between 20 and 30 years, 25 years, if you took 4% for the next 25 years, now that draws down your, you know, 100% of your assets to zero if, if right. that's a straight line. Uh, and right. then part of it was also just based off of rates of return or interest rates historically. Um, so using the 10 year treasury is kind of the, the baseline of a risk-free rate of return. Historically that's between four and 6%. That's clearly not the case anymore, which is why I think that article was kind of written with the 10 year treasury at, you know, 0.6%. Does it still make sense to be able to live off of 4% of your portfolio? Yeah. And I think we, we often kind of like try to dumb that down, right? All the, all these numbers. know we we look at somebody's life savings we kind of say like that's the geese that are laying you know your golden eggs in retirement and if each geese can give you four eggs you should be fine Um, but you know what if they're not producing that amount of egg at some point you have to start eating geese and you know when you do that it might be a pretty good meal but you're not going to get any of the future eggs that may have been produced so it is a sensitive thing Um, I guess you know, my question then comes back to how would we respond to this? You know, how you get to 4% is maybe the question then, right? It may mean that people need to take more risk. And maybe that's not a palatable thing, right? Because that would make people feel uncomfortable in a phase of life where like they would say, hey, I can't can't really stand to see my portfolio go down. Um, but I, I look at this as kind of resetting expectations. So, I mean, how how would you respond then to the idea that if 4% is still kind of like what we have to target being able to take mm-hmm. and the safest way to do that's only going to give us, as you said, 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.7, you know, 30 or treasuries at one and a half, whatever it is, you know, what, what do we do as financial planners to help people with this? Yeah. So where my mind went before jumping into that was just in terms of the whole geese sling your golden egg kind of theory, that, that 4% being the, they call it the safe withdrawal rate. Again, the idea yeah. being as long as you can generate around that level or maybe even slightly higher that you theoretically then should never run out of your principal, so that it should last your lifetime and again, potentially beyond. Um, yeah. That's certainly the, the safest way to go about that, but that's not always going to be the case, right? There, will be, there could be a time where you will start to eat into your principal. You will start to eat some right. of those geese And as long as that's later in life, again, that, that will probably be an okay thing. So it's not necessarily that, that 4%, you can't, you can't deviate from that. You have to do that. Or, you know, your retirement is doomed. That's certainly not the case. And I think, I think we sometimes have to bring the personal aspect to, you know, the relationship that we provide to kind of understand that, right? We, we would define as, you know, worst case scenario for somebody you kind of had a picture perfect retirement if you bounced your last check on the day that you pass away. Right. You know, you, you were able to really enjoy that money. Uh, you, you know, you didn't run out early. You You bounce the last check, you know, for some people having something left behind is, is clearly part of the goal if it's some sort of legacy children, grandchildren, but that mm-hmm. that's where that personal side of it needs to come in to be able to say, I think going back to your modeling here, maybe the last years of your life, you're taking five, six, seven percent. And that's not a big deal if the life expectancy is starting to dwindle. It's just, you know, we want to be sensitive on the front end to when you first retire, right? Longevity in retirement means you really don't want to be killing geese too early in the process. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a great clarification that it is the the onset of retirement or early on, that's where Theoretically, or, or hopefully, you have those the next twenty to thirty years in front of you, and that inflation. Even though right yeah. now inflation really isn't a big deal, but historically, inflation averages between two and three percent. That you throw twenty years of inflation; those expense numbers start to grow pretty quickly. Um, and again, it's it's that later in life, the unknown that those expenses in t- today's dollars extrapolated out. At two percent for the next twenty years, it, if you're spending a hundred grand now, it, it grows very quickly. Yeah, and especially um, again against your other income streams, right? Most most right. people that have a pension don't have a cost of living adjustment to it, and those that you know rely on Social Security to a certain extent. one's the last time you got a you know a, yeah. a reasonable increase relative to what you really felt um, as far as your expenses? I mean, I know it was two point eight percent not too long ago, but right, it it's, it hasn't been there, right? the averages over the last whatever it is, 10, 15 years, you know, we project Social Security at 1.5%. So mm-hmm. it does mean that you have to rely on those geese maybe later in life. Um, but then I mean let, let me let me take this back to the, the question. I think we gave some yes. good commentary there. Like, so what is the fix then? Right? If if we know that certain risk uh, assets come then with risk and certain risk-free interest is not at four or five percent you know what's what what's the answer yeah i think i think you kind of touched on it earlier it's just resetting the expectations on what it's going to take to to meet the return needs um there's certainly when we say risk that i think people's minds immediately go to stock market risk Um, And that's clearly what, you know, what, what most people see and feel on a a daily basis when they're, you know, watching the news and they see if the Dow or the S&P 500 goes up or down. Um, So that's certainly one component that we, we like to say that even our most conservative investors still own some level of stocks in their portfolio, because historically, those are the assets that do keep up with inflation, because over a long periods of time, the stock market has always trended higher again the disclosure here of past results do not uh, <laughs> indicate future performance or whatever the, uh, the, you know, the formal disclosure is. Yeah. And that's, so that's where my mind went to not, not only, you know, when we proposed this as a question that we were going to answer today, but as you're talking about it, I, when I say kind of resetting expectations, part of the default, I think of getting to retirement is kind of, again, I got to get more conservative. I now need to live on this pool of money for the rest of my life. But, are you going to spend your whole savings on day one of retirement? <laughs> uh, you know, it's a loaded question. Of course. Not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we, we, we often talk about, you know, you have to, you have to be able to bucket your money, right. And maybe we'll go through this in another minute. You have to be able to bucket your money in a way that gives yourself permission to take some risk, acknowledging that it's not money you're going to be touching in the first years of retirement, right. That, you, you probably just proved to yourself this year. And if not this year, you know, let's go back to some volatility in 2018, right? The last couple times that we've seen big moves in the market, you survived it. And if you kind of stuck with your plan, you know, guess what? You're, you're back to, you know, kind of feeling okay. I, you know, the 50 50 equity to bond portfolio over the last 15 years is still averaging more than 6%, right? So, it's it's almost resetting the expectations that you have to be able to give yourself permission to be uncomfortable with a certain, right percentage of the money in a in a long term sure. bucket, knowing you're not going to touch it in the next couple of years. You know I, that we call that our three bucket theory. I think that's the point on why this four percent rule is not dead. It's just how you go about feeling okay about it. Need may need to be restructured. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good point that, you know, h- how you get to that end result to be able to safely take 4% does require a little bit uh, more of a realization that doing that in a risk-free manner is probably not possible. And if it, if it is, you're probably locking yourself into something that's contractual and does not have the flexibility. And it's, it's you're going down another path that is, is complicated as well. There's, there's no yeah. there's no risk-free way right now to get 4% that I know of. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, we're, we're not going to say we get creative with the way that we go about this because I think, you know, anybody that knows us or wants to do a little research on us, like we're very fundamental in the way that we go about it. But, but it is maybe changing the way we converse about it too to say, you know, what is the degree of risk that we're willing to take and recognize that equities can produce income, right? And it, it's just that whole idea. If you're not going to, sell an equity when it's down, right? We don't want anybody to do that. The fact that the value went down may not change the fact that it's paying you a a 2% dividend or 3% and contributing to the income stream that you need. So I think it really comes back to not only resetting the expectations with our clients, with the people that that entrust us to work this out for them, um, but resetting the expectations, I would say, into how they're going to go about recreating that income. stream. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just real quick, because I had a thought there and then we'll, I'll, I'll kick it back to you to kind of explain the, the three bucket theory. But I think, so not only is it having the conversation and, and somewhat resetting those expectations, but then it's when a March 2020 happens and the market is going sideways and it feels like the sky is falling. It's right. our role then is again, to hold people's hands through that process. Again, to yeah. reiterate where, where we were in a much calmer time, um, just to, to be able to weather those storms when they do come. Cause we know they will like th- these things historically happen, um, not infrequently. Um, but again, we've, we've said this multiple times on multiple podcasts, you, you stick to the plan. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes over time it, it, you will be rewarded for, for some discipline. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to speak directly to the three bucket theory it's to help people do that it's to yeah it's to give themselves the permission to, to to hang in there right the three bucket theory starts with just holding cash right i know it's not the the fancy financial advisor thing to say but you know going back to kind of recreating an income stream if you need a hundred grand and your pension and social security are going to make up fifty thousand i'm just making up numbers now then you need fifty thousand coming from your savings well you know, we would say that you should have at least a year, maybe even two years of whatever your investments are in a risk-free asset then, right? Because historically most market downturns last anywhere from nine to 18 months, right? This last one lasted like 45 days, 30 days, whatever it was, Yeah. Um, they're happening quicker. Yeah. I think we've noticed that, but if you have yeah. what you need to spend in the bank, in a safe spot, then again, I hope you give yourself a little bit of permission to go, I don't need to liquidate to meet my needs so I can hang in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That second bucket is just going to be, you know, kind of what we kick this off with, you know, your, your fixed income streams that may come from U.S. treasuries or corporate bonds or, you know, fixed income that's paying you something, right? But if you have, we would say, anywhere from three to seven years of that income need in that bucket that's producing income for you, again, think in, in the total here, you don't have an equity that you need to touch. You don't have a risk asset that you need to touch for a long time. You know, so whether it's 18 months of a downturn, the next recession, who knows? I think, you know, the bucketing idea is that when you see your values changing, if the value in decline is really the equities, okay, I didn't didn't need to touch that for seven more years. Anyway, I can wait till it rebounds. And when I do have the gains, I'll pass them forward. That's the theory. And I think, again, if, on the whole, those three buckets can still get you to 4% rather consistently, then mm-hmm. the theory is not dead. I agree. All right, so, so now, anything so else? Now what? <laughs> yeah, I, let's, let's maybe wrap, wrap that up and, and tie those three things together. You know, the 4% yeah. rule, we like to think of that as, you know, the geese that can lay golden eggs. You know, you certainly don't want to kill geese too early. Um, the second thing I'd say that we kind of hit on um, when you put these things in the, in the lens of time horizon, I think you're giving yourself some permission to you know, seek longer you know, returns over a longer period of time by taking a little bit of reasonable risk. And we would say that mm-hmm. risk is quantifiable. Yeah. Um, but then I liked, I liked your third point here. You should probably have an accountability partner, right? It's our job to help recreate that paycheck, not have you overspend, but in the same way, develop the portfolio that kind of supports that 4% withdrawal rule but also can reevaluate that maybe in the later years of life. So I guess there, there's the plug for having somebody like us, you know, on your team to go through this. So give us a call. We're here. Absolutely. Thanks bud. All right. Till next time. You got it. Hey everyone, Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in.